chapter 1 today, I want to speak to you on the thought of toward. Toward. John writes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word in the beginning. If you're familiar with Genesis chapter 1, it opens with, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And there are several instances of God doing something and things being created. What does he do? He speaks. And when he speaks, things are created. Things happen. In the beginning was the Word. What was it that created everything that we see? It's the Word. It was the Word. Now, what is the Word? I mean, we know what words are. What does it mean the Word was in the beginning? A little bit of theology here today. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The same, I'll use the term person, the same person, the same being, the same deity. Three in one. Not three different people, but the same person. God reveals himself to us in these three ways. One. The Father in heaven. All of us in this room have a Father. We all, for good or for bad, know what a Father is and we know what we want a Father to be. God the Father, the perfect Dad, revealed Himself to us through the person of his son, Christ in human, God in human flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He came down and revealed himself to us in a human body to show us his character and who he is. And the Bible says that Jesus is the word. So when Jesus appeared on the earth... The Word was here in human form. And everywhere that Jesus went, what did he bring? Life. Life. Everywhere he went, there was life. Literally, in some cases, he went where there was death, and when he showed up, there was life. So when you read about Jesus in the Gospels, Remember, he is God in human flesh, but he is the Word in action. From the very beginning, he spoke and all things came into existence. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what did the Word do? Loved the unlovable. Touched the untouchable. 
embraced those that others had shunned. He rescued those who were doomed to death at the hands of the religious. He put into practice the word that was there in the beginning. And in the beginning when there was darkness, what did God create? Light. In the beginning when there was no form, what did God do? He created everything that you see and gave order to the universe. Before you and I ever breathed our first breath, before humanity ever breathed their first breath, the word that became flesh knew every single part of your human anatomy, what you would do in your life, how things would go. And when God breathed life into humanity, the first thing he gives them is what? His word. Direction on how to live. John goes on and says, And the word was with God. The word was with God. Does that mean that the Father and the Son were hanging out together? That they were with one another? In a sense, yes, it does. It means that they were connected. They were together in unity. They were in agreement. Right? They're in agreement. They are hand in hand. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, said something very, very striking that we should all remember. He said, I don't say anything unless the Father says it. I don't do anything unless the Father in heaven does it or has told me to do it. He said, I and the Father are one. But there's more to the idea of being together and with or in unity than just the idea of being hand in hand or side by side with someone. The word with... God, word with, was with God has a different definition. It means toward. To be toward. You ever been in a fight with your spouse? And they wouldn't look at you? You'd walk in the room and they'd go and walk out. Or you'd hear the car pull up and suddenly you'd have to go to the bathroom. Find an excuse to get out of, the, out of the house. When you're at odds with somebody, the last thing you want to do is look at them. Right? Anybody here find it awkward when you're talking to somebody and they make eye contact with you? Do you ever notice when you're in a conversation with someone that you break eye contact regularly? Because it's this intimidating feeling of looking into someone's eyes. I'll never forget, y'all remember Gerald Richardson. For those of you that didn't know Gerald, man, what a blessing he was. Gerald sat back there around where L.A. is, and there was, there was, there was a Sunday. I, I mean, I knew Gerald was here, but I hadn't even, I'd never even looked his way, I thought. After service, he said, Jeremy, man, you were looking right at me today. I'm like, I didn't even know you was here. But he said, you looked at me? startled them. Have you ever wanted to get your child's attention? You would tell them, stop, look at me. Listen to what I'm telling you. 
If you are not doing what your father or your mother wants you to do in life, you don't want to look them in the eye. Any of you young men or young women ever been in a position like that where you knew daddy wasn't going to be happy with you or mama wasn't going to be happy, so you would maybe find excuses, try to change the subject, not go there? But what a wonderful, peaceful feeling it is to be able to know there's no animosity between you and another person to be able to sit down and have a conversation and look them in the eye. When the word here, with, says that the word was with God, it means that they were face to face. They were eye to eye. There was absolutely nothing that one did that the other did not do. Now, I'm not going to even pretend to act like I'm able to dance because I cannot dance to save my life. I can make the, mu- I can make the music that makes you want to move. But I cannot move. I'm about as limber as an oak tree. But have you ever watched, what's that show, Dancing with the Stars? You ever watch these new dance, or these people that aren't dancers that don't know what they're doing? And it's like watching a train wreck, you know? They're like, they're, no, they're, not, they're way off in time. They're not dancing in unison. They're stepping on their partner's foot. But then you'll have that one person that just has this natural talent to dance, and when you watch it, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. They're working together. They're they're a team. Where one goes, the other goes. That's what's being implied here. The Word and the Father were face-to-face. They were a mirror image of one another. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees one time, they are arguing with him because they call him the bastard son of Mary. He does not have a father. No one knows who his dad is. And no one wants to, well, the religious did not want to believe that he was the son of God. So they said, we know who our father is, who our father is, Jesus. We are of Abraham. And Jesus says, yep, you are. But you're not of the father in heaven. Because if you were of the father in heaven, Or if you were with the Father in heaven, if you knew the Father, you would know me. Because I and my Father are a mirror image of one another. When God became flesh, nothing about his character changed. When God became flesh, nothing about his personhood changed. Nothing about his demeanor, his his personality, nothing changed. What you saw in Jesus was 100% who the Father is. Because the Father and the Son are one. Now the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is Christ in us. God in us, dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to something that God would lead you away from. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to do something that Jesus says not to do. They are all three in agreement. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. They're braided together, one in the same. A perfect picture image of each other. Why is it? Why is it that we wander away from the Bible? Why is it that we, as believers... We'll build our lives on other things than the Word. Why is it that we build our life on traditions, our opinions, our feelings, 
but yet we ignore the word. If we know the Father, then we should be able to look Him in the eye and know that we are on the same page and not stray away from what He would say. Why is it then that we're so quick to disregard the reading and the study of the Word? I'm not even talking about coming here to studies, which you should do. I'm talking about on your own, independently, privately, in your own, in your own world, in your own home. Do you read your Bible? Do you study the Word? Do you pray and say, God, help me to understand what you want me to learn today? You cannot be in agreement with the Father if you do not know the Word. You cannot say you know Jesus if you don't want to listen to what He has to say. I have no authority. I have no power on my own. The only authority and power that we have available to us is His Word. His Word is eternal. His Word is not bound by human construct. He does not operate within time and space. His Word is independent of every world power. What He says goes regardless of how we or anyone else feels. Remember when Pilate says to him, Do you not know, Jesus, that I have the power to take your life from you? And what does he say? No man takes my life unless I willingly lay it down. Are we with Jesus? Are we with him? Are you as a believer with Jesus? And by with Jesus, what I mean is are you toward the word? Or do you turn away from the word? Do you long to hear the words of life that give you direction and correction? That guides you, that leads you? Or have you got a 10-point plan that you're going to stick with because that's what you've always done? Or do you have two or three Bible verses that you've built a whole theology on, and instead of listening to the continued counsel of the Lord, you've decided that you'll stop there? If we are the church, the children of God, the sheep of the shepherd, then we will know his voice and another we will not follow. The same word that was there in the beginning is the word that is still here today. And when we are toward him, he is able to do things in our lives that otherwise would not be possible. Is there anyone in this room that has ever turned toward the Lord and not heard his word. Of course not. If you turn toward the Lord, you're hearing his word. That's what drew you to him. And when you turn toward the Lord, even though he told you things that were difficult that you didn't want to hear, you listened, you took heed, and you attempted with all your strength to act on that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you began to see the Lord work things out in your life. The same word that spoke light into darkness is still speaking light into darkness today. But when we turn away from him, we stop looking like him. When you turn away from the mirror, you don't realize what's going on. 
your visage changes. Your demeanor changes. Your character changes. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Peace, love, joy, happiness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Is that what you see in your life? We'll take it one step further and we'll close. When God wanted to reveal his character to the world, who did he send? Jesus. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. It says that men hid their faces, as it were, from him. Because there was nothing about him that was eye-catching or beautiful. What that means is not that Jesus was ugly or that Jesus was deformed in some way. You know what that means? That means that there was absolutely nothing in the life of Jesus that had any connection to this world and the things of this world. Therefore, the world rejected him. If he had the power to speak and the universe appears, it's a lot of power. And while he was here on earth, people insulted him. They railed on him. They didn't understand him. They made fun of him. They mocked him. And that's all before he ever experiences the cross. He spent his time with people that no one else wanted to be with. Like, for instance, we've, we've talked about this before. I don't know if you know what leprosy is. I encourage you to look it up online. Do a little Googling on leprosy. At that time, there was no cure for leprosy. And not only did Jesus talk to those people that were full of leprosy, he touched them. He touched them. So you might not find it pleasant when those who are the scourge of society make their way through the doors of this church. You may feel like you're not getting attention anymore because we're paying attention to the addicts or we're paying attention to the divorcees or we're paying attention to those who have struggles with mental health or those who have physical struggles or those who have been broken by their, their experiences in life from their parents to their relationships or the church even. You might not understand it when we want to spend time with those people. But just know that when we do that, we're doing that because that's the image that Jesus gave us of what it meant to know the Father. When the world sees the church, let me rephrase that. When the world sees you, I'm not going to say, do they see Jesus, meaning do they see the perfect Son of God in you. 
I don't mean that your behavior is perfect. There are none of us that are perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have gone their own way. What I'm saying is, do they see the character? Do they see the name of God? Exodus 34 and 6, God says, The Lord, the Lord is. I, God, am this. I am merciful, I am compassionate, and I am forgiving. When Jesus was here on earth, and he experienced that sham trial that they put him through, sentenced him to death, and they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him until his flesh was torn from his frame, and they mocked him and spat upon him. They pulled out his beard as he, with what strength he had, tried to carry that wooden beam on his shoulders to the hill of Golgotha. Not one time does he open his mouth and say a contrary word. And when they place him on the ground and nail his hands and feet to that wooden cross and vault him up into the air and drop him into that hole in the ground and begin to mock him and say, hey, look, there's the king of the Jews. After everything he endured up to this point, he pulls the last bit of strength in his body that he has. And he says, Father, get him. No. Father, take him out. No. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There is the name of God. There is the character of God. There is the image, the perfect mirror image of God in the flesh that dwelt among us. And Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go away, I will doubtless come again and receive you unto myself. But in my absence, I leave you here as my ambassadors, as my representatives on the earth. What do you think he wants us to do? If Jesus spent his time correcting the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, then do you really think he wants us to become a bunch of law-keeping legalists? Or do you think he wants us to touch the leper? Do you think he wants us to embrace the adulterer? Do you think he wants us to forgive our enemies? Do you think he wants us to prevent people from getting in here? Or do you think he wants us to find the intestinal fortitude to get up off of our seat and go and love somebody today? When the world sees you, do they see Jesus? Are you quick to forgive, slow to anger? Or are you ready to... I'm going to fight them all. I'm going to get them. 
You ain't going to get me, I'll get you first. You ain't going to get my kids or my grandkids, I'll get you. You ain't going to talk to me that way. You got to stop. You got to stop and you got to do one of two things. One, you got to go to God and say, listen, I'm sorry. I know we all have problems and I know we all struggle and I know all of us have things that we're going to work on the rest of our lives. And as Paul said, God, I asked you three times to take this thing away from me. But you cannot tell me that you can be a believer and not have joy in your heart. You cannot tell me that you are a believer and you can't find the ability to have peace with one another because that is the tenet of our faith. Maybe the problem is not with everyone else. Maybe the problem is with you. Now, that's tough. Maybe the problem is not everyone else and how they act and everybody's so stupid and everybody's so dumb. Everybody drives so slow. Everybody just acts so idiotic. I just can't stand people. Maybe that's a problem with your mirror and not with the world. Look, I get frustrated too. But when I look into the mirror of God's word, I have to face the same thing. So can we just try to turn toward the Lord? What does that song say, Todd? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Is it look full in his wonderful face? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his wonderful grace.